Buenos dias, buenos dias, buenos dias. Welcome to today's Mayito Minute. So I'm going to bring in the uh, the Tour de France into today's podcast because uh, the last couple of days I've seen something that I wanted to bring to our attention and I wanted to talk about um, something that probably doesn't get a lot of airplay and we don't talk about very, very much. So I'm going to frame it this way. Um, for me, as a mindset coach, an athlete comes to me and they want to work on you know, their mindset uh, to elevate their performance, and I'm happy to do that, uh, but then this, this individual is part of a team, right? So they're part of a team, a, a greater, you know, bigger organization, what have you, and how do we work with that, right? Because um, it's a difficult thing, it's a fragile thing to do. Because at the same time that I'm thinking, all right, you're coming to me and you want to elevate your performance. You want to, you know, you want to perform at a higher level. I'm let's go, let's get to work and let's do that. But at the same time, I understand and I get the athlete to understand, and they probably already understand this before coming to me, that at the same time, we're part of a team here and we want the team to also perform at a higher level level. It's a symbiotic relationship. The better that the athlete gets at taking care of their business on their end personally as an individual, then when they come together within the body of that team or that organization, then they make that team and that organization stronger. And in turn, that team and that organization is stronger. And hence the, the, the kind of the tide flows back in the, in the, direction of this athlete where this athlete maybe has more opportunities now there's more things that they're able to do that maybe they weren't able to do because of the strength of their team so that may be a little bit confusing so I'm going to try and unpack it as best I can and explain it as best I can here so let's talk about the race let's talk about the the Tour de France so the past couple of days uh especially two days ago what I saw was um gosh it was like I don't have any stock in these guys. I'm just watching the race as a spectator. But at the same time, I'm a mindset coach. And I, and I don't like seeing people struggle. I don't like seeing people, you know, in a, a, a bad place mentally and, you know, emotionally. And unfortunately, there was a huge example of this uh, in one team. The team is called Movie Star. They're a Spanish team. They came to the tour with like three guys that would potentially be their leaders. And so it's kind of one of those things. It's shown that it hasn't worked over time, but for whatever reason, this team continues to do that because they've got such a such a high quality level of riders on their team that they actually can bring three guys. And really and truly, it's kind of like throwing darts on a, at a board. You know, like it, you don't know which one of them is actually going to be the better guy. So they come with this, you know, uh, goal or objective and, but little by little, you know, they have seen one rider emerge and be their better guy. And, um, you know, a couple of days ago, this guy was able to get away from the other favorites. So he was able to distance his rivals and, and get up the road and he was on his way up the road and he was able to connect with a couple of teammates that were able to get him further up the road. And eventually he was able to join the breakaway that had formed very, very early in the stage, very early in the day. And that breakaway contained a guy that he's faltered during this Tour de France, but he's finished second in the Tour de France before. He's won the Giro d'Italia, a very high quality rider. And so tactically, this was like a... I mean, I'm watching this on my computer going, holy cow, like this guy has got a 
tremendous opportunity in front of him because he's about to link up with a teammate that's super strong and has super high pedigree and like they could that teammate can continue to pull this guy further away from his rivals and it could be a really really good day for this guy and it could really shake the race up and turn the race over on his head and unfortunately what i saw what i witnessed was once the 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 favorite for the movie star team caught up with his teammate that was up in the early breakaway his teammate definitely played the role of self-preservation uh he definitely played the role of like hanging back and like kind of seemingly not like defiantly not helping his teammate now what the guy needed to do was I don't care if he was tired. Um, I don't care if he wasn't feeling well. Like he needed to get on the front of the group and he needed to sell his soul for as long as he could to help his teammate get further away from the general classification favorites that were, you know, back down the road some ways. And again, whether he's so tired, he can only do that for 200 meters, whether he's so tired, he can only do that for five kilometers or whether he just wakes up and gets it into gear and wills himself to do, you know, work on the front for the next 20 kilometers. Like a lot of people are going to say he was tired. He wasn't capable of doing it. He didn't have the legs to be able to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm calling, you know, baloney on that. I'm saying get on the front and do something, make the gesture and get on the front, even if it's for 60 seconds, and then magnificently blow up to the point where you've got to get off your bicycle. But but send the message to your teammate that that this is what you had, and this is what you gave him, and it was everything that you had. See, what happened here, the problem here was that that teammate was not thinking about his leader. He was not thinking about sacrificing for him. He was thinking about, you know, it's terrible because he's not even, I don't even think he's in the top 10 anymore, but he's thinking to himself, like, if I do that, like, it's going to hurt my chances to like do something good at the end. And again, there's a lot of contract negotiation stuff going on behind the scenes where these guys are all leaving teams next year and all that. And I'm sure that there was more at play than meets the eye, but it was a really, really sad example. And, and I was sorry to see that. On the other hand, you know, we saw this other team, this French team, uh, where the last couple of days, uh, they've got a guy that's riding really, really well right now. He took a stage uh, the last couple of days. He's riding really high up there in the general classification. And this guy's got two guys in particular that are good in the mountains that have just absolutely sold the farm for this guy. They've gotten on the front and they've gone until they can't go anymore. And what's cool is that you see the camera on these guys after they pull off and they literally are having to do what's called paperboying up the climb. So paperboy is when you're literally zigging and zagging up the mountain because it's easier to climb it that way because you get the break when you're going uh, horizontal to the, to the climb. Uh, and so they're having to do that because they're so blown at that point and you know that would be an example of guys being great teammates right so but let's get back to like when I partner with an athlete and when I'm I'm working through things with that athlete like how does this how does this go together how does this mesh right because I like what if I'm working with the athletes that are not the leaders but the athletes that are the ones working for the leaders right? Uh, how does that go? Because I, I do want to see that athlete be successful, right? And, and I do want to see that athlete maybe eventually like 
grow into a leadership role where they're the ones that are, you know, being worked for and they're the ones that are able to finish things off and, and be the best place rider or get the, the best result or, you know, make the all-star team or whatever it happens to be in whatever sport, right? But, you know, it starts with not focusing on those things necessarily, but focusing on, you know, the little things that you can do in the meantime to just set yourself up to do that. And that that's development. That's trust in the process. And that's also the belief that if you're on, like you, your job. So this is, you know, what I believe, like if you're on a team, don't focus on the team that you're on, but focus on yourself because that's the only thing that you could ultimately control. So you focus on yourself and your job, your goal, your objective is to be the best version of yourself so that when you show up at a competition with your team or a training camp or whatever, you are the best version of yourself which means that you are providing the maximum benefit to your team that you can give them, right? And if everybody, here's, here's the goal for the team overall, and this is the coach's job, right? Is to make it to where everybody on the team arrives as the best version of themselves to be able to come together and link arms with each other so that then the team is the best version of that team because of the individuals that comprise it. Now, that is kind of the easy part because that's like, okay, how are you doing with diet? How are you doing with sleep? How are you doing with like working on your mindset and meditation and those kinds of things that I talked about yesterday? You know, how are you doing with obviously adherence to your training, your physical training? Like, are you doing all of that? And then all that comes together and we're like, okay, great. Like, this looks great. But then when you get there, the difficult part, in my opinion, is the chemistry of that particular team. Because everybody can arrive as the best version of themselves and all of a sudden everybody can begin to say, all right, great, I'm the best version of myself, therefore, hey, um, you know, when am I going to get a chance? When are you going to give me the opportunity? And we see this so often in teams where this causes a lot of strife, this causes a lot of separation, really good team on paper, great team, but not able to function at its highest capacity because we've got a lot of different people that are running in different directions. So at the same time that like, for example, when I'm partnering with an athlete and I'm working on these things and I'm getting this athlete, hey, like let's increase your performance right? Which means bigger, stronger, faster, better results, like all those kinds of things. At the same time that I'm doing that, that we're doing that, I'm wanting this particular athlete to understand how do you fit into the team? What is your role on the team? And a very sobering thing, are we willing to be the best version of ourselves serving others? Are we, are we willing to be the best version of ourselves and coming to the aid of, coming to the service of those members of our team, however that may look? And that, it, to me, that's the key to having a highly functioning team. That's the key to having a championship team. That's the key to having whatever you want to call it type of team. It, it's, it's something we can't, we can't taste, we can't touch, we can't feel, like, feel or see 
is is that like are the members of the team do they have that in focus and do they have that in mind like are they willing to come to the surface the service i'm sorry of those folks on their team and do they understand like do we understand that for example like i I don't know why i'm thinking basketball for whatever reason do we understand that like if i come to the service of let's just say that i'm a forward okay and uh and and like I come to the service of my perimeter shooters, my, my three-point shooters, right, by being the best version of myself and working very hard as a forward on, you know, getting in the paint or whatever and then being able to have vision on the court and then working on my skills in the passing arena to be able to do all of that and then kick it out to these three-point shooters and, like, these guys are getting really good looks at the basket and they're great shooters already because they've been doing their homework to be the best, you know, shooters that they can be and the best version of themselves and that area so these guys are knocking down three-pointers like crazy think about it from a tactical perspective from a game plan perspective when when, if I'm a coach on the other team and I go to play that team what do I have to do I've now got to respect the three-point shooting ability of that team in a roundabout way because of the passing ability of that forward and so now, maybe defensively, I've got to come out on those shooters, which means I'm doing what? Well, if I've only got a certain amount of players on the court, something's got to give. Now, maybe the forward is getting some better looks at his shots down low, and maybe he's not having to pass it out to those three-point shooters because he's got a better opportunity. The three-point shooters are being covered and smothered by guys playing man-to-man defense out on them at the three-point line. So... Do we understand that like if we're the the coolest thing that the craziest teams are the ones where you're having a conversation about them and you're thinking like who's going to win the series who's going to win the championship like who's the best team in the league right now like you know who are you racing against and like what are their what are their weaknesses and like you're, you're sitting there scratching your head and you're like I don't think they have any. Like, I don't know. Like, if we do this, then I think that they can do this. And if, and if we, we approach them this way, then I think that they've got, you know, players or riders or, or, or whatever that can do this and they would hurt us there too. And you begin to go, oh my gosh, like, geez, we're just going to have to pick to jump on this sword over here and hope that they don't kill us with this sword over here. And it just gets really, really complicated. It's really exciting for teams, though, that are on the other end of that, right? And that are functioning at a really, really high level. But what it takes is an understanding from all of the players involved that what we're going to do is show up to be the best version of ourselves physically, right? Having done the homework, but then on the mindset side of things, on the mental side of things, like we've got to have this understanding that service to, to others is a key component of a successful team. And that's a that's a, a, a difficult one to kind of get in to, uh, you know, to an athlete's mind sometimes because we get so driven and we get so focused on ourselves, which there's a, there's a time for that, to, to focus on ourselves, to focus on our training, to focus on doing the best job that we can each and every single day, be where our feet are, present moment, all that good stuff. And we focus on that. And that's awesome. But at the same time that we're doing that, we have to also keep our eyes up sometimes and go, all right, but I, I need to remember that like when we all come together, I'm a part of this team and, and how do I fit and what can I do and what role can I play to help my teammates to be successful? And then in turn, like if I help them be successful, it's probably going to come back around where they can help me to be successful. And understanding that like that might be a long 
drawn out process where you don't get quote unquote paid back for your sacrifice for a really, really long time. I mean, I've seen in cycling, it's a huge thing. Like in cycling, it's, uh, it's so celebrated when a guy that goes and fetches bottles for the team finally gets his opportunity to ride, um, you know, for, for the team, you know, for his own result. And then he gets his own result. And it's like a huge celebration from the team when that guy gets to do that. But I'm, I'm going to throw this out there because what if that situation never arises? So you're like, all right, well, you know, am, am I going to sit around and just do this for the rest of my life, like for the rest of my career? Am I always going to be the guy that has to like sacrifice for the team and do the job that nobody wants to do? And, you know, Mario, I'm pretty much never really going to get an opportunity to be able to, you know, go for my own result or achieve my own thing. Like I'm always going to be the sixth man um, or the seventh man because there's a sixth man of the year award in the NBA, right? So the seventh man, you know, who, who's this? seventh man like nobody knows that guy right uh so what do you want me to do there like how am I supposed to stay positive like how am I supposed to um you know see myself and and work this into my self-image and my confidence and all that kind of stuff it's going to go back to one of the you know cornerstone principles that I try to instill in the folks that I work with and and it's this it's are you operating as the best version of yourself and if you're operating at the best version of yourself, then can you be humble enough to accept that the best version of yourself for this particular moment in time is for you to be the seventh man? Are you okay with that? Are you cool with that? Can you continue to work on your craft and beat on your craft and work hard? Don't take the foot off the accelerator. Don't think to yourself, I'm a seventh man for life. Like you don't need to do that. You need to keep pushing yourself to the absolute limit every single day. But at the same time that you're doing that, you need to understand that where your feet currently are, you're the seventh man. And like, just keep working, thinking to yourself and having that goal that you're not going to be the seventh man forever and keep doing that. And the thing about this is, is like, for, for those folks that are really truly invested in themselves and being the best version of themselves and pushing themselves to the limit, like, they're going to find that there's a tremendous satisfaction actually in if your career ends and you were a seventh man your entire career because you pushed yourself hard and because you challenged yourself every day to not be the seventh man in a very weird way, you're okay with the fact that you were the seventh man for your entire career. I, it's hard for me to put that into words and I'm not going to try and take this any further because I think I'll probably do a poor job of trying to explain it to you. But do this, trust me and, and trust that that principle actually works and it actually produces what I said it would produce. Better yet, do a trial run on it and try it for yourself and then you'll see what I mean. And it's tremendously rewarding and it's tremendously satisfying and it's a tremendous thing that what it actually does is it actually does increase your performance. It actually lowers the likelihood of you being the seventh man for your entire career. But again, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to place it at your feet and I'm going to allow you to pick it up if you would like and for you to apply that principle. The principle of being the best version of yourself. The principle of challenging yourself each and every single day to be the best version of yourself but at the same time, accepting where your feet currently are, but looking eyes up, 
having that hope and that faith that with continuing to push yourself to your absolute best every single day, that your performance will increase. And in turn, let's end it with team. You're making your team better. All right, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. Um, Share this episode, subscribe to the podcast. There's a place where you can give financially to support this podcast right there on Anchor if you would like to do that. You guys are awesome. Have a fantastic rest of your day.